Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Mr. O'Hare, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening? Yeah, uh, my name is uh, George O'Hare. I'm a recently retired uh, college professor, so after 25 years or so of teaching. And now uh, I just uh, try to keep active. I go to the Y, and uh, I'm starting to write, uh, write fiction again. So that's my new my new gig. I'm probably going to ask about some of your writing on fiction, but I want to ask about some of the articles I came across on Brownstone Institute. Um, you were talking about the COVID pandemic and some of the issues that were going on. Um, I'm interested in what exactly are you kind of focused in when it comes to the COVID pandemic and how did it start, like your perspective before compared to, and we can get into after. Right. I had been reading about the mRNA vaccines. And so I was, I had, I had reservations. I was open-minded. I, I didn't know. And then of course, uh, where I taught made getting the vaccine uh, a requirement of keeping my job. So uh, I went down and, and got the vaccine. Uh, we, my wife and I, we were not going to get the vaccine if it was the mRNA vaccine. And fortunately that day they had the J&J &J viral vector vaccine. So we, we got the viral vector vaccines and uh, you know I didn't want to do it, but, uh, Neither of us wanted to do it, but we did it. You know, I, I didn't. I thought the viral vector was safer than the mRNA vaccine. And and I'll I'll, I'll say right now. I mean, you know, the dangers of uh, the uh, the those vaccines are I, they're uncertain. I mean, I don't know. I just I I've come to realize that certain people, certain age groups, shouldn't take them, and other people, if they want to, they should. But the idea of a mandate was bothersome, but I had no choice. And so I took the vaccine and things went on. And then about a year later, uh, in December, the, a new variant of COVID came out and then the booster shots came along. And that's where I drew a line in the sand. I was not going to get the booster shot. And so they fired me, is what it comes down to. They let me go. What I was wouldn't your... get the shot. And what was your hesitancy with the mRNA vaccine? I guess the weird, that's like an area that a lot of people don't ever talk about when they talk about the shot. They just call it a vaccine. Nobody mentions that it's like a new type of technology. There's not a whole lot of data on it um, when it comes to that shot, which that alone would give anybody really hesitancy, but that just never gets brought up in the discussion. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. One, uh, I didn't think the vac vaccine worked. I was having questions about its efficacy and I kept seeing people who had the vaccine and they were still getting COVID. And this became clearer as time went on that the vaccine, which was billed as, remember what's the name, Dr. Burke's holding up the sign, stop the spread. Well, that didn't, it, none of that worked. And so the, my reservation was they had, and I thought, you know, the more I read, the more it became clear that Pfizer had been, uh, how do you say, I think, Oh, I don't know. They were, I don't know how above board they were with their drug trials. I mean, there might have been some shenanigans going on there, but one, I didn't think they worked and no one had tested them uh, uh, for their possible consequences. I mean, they, they checked some things, but remember when they, uh, they didn't check it for its effect on, I think, uh, women, pregnant women, they didn't, that wasn't part of any kind of uh, subgroup test. And so I, I just, I didn't think they worked. And I thought the the risk outweighed the gain. And again, I, I wasn't terrified of, of the virus. That was another thing that worked for me. I wasn't, I, it seemed to me that it, I knew a, a number of people who got it before the virus uh, vaccines became available. And of, 
And some of them were older. Some of them were in their 70s. And it didn't bother them at all. And I thought it was just, it's really more like a flu than anything. A lot of people forget that there was like a good amount of time where they had no vaccines at all. And it was kind of hoping or waiting for the vaccines. But then people had gotten COVID and then built up a natural immunity. I happened to get it later after the vaccines and everything were rolled out. Surprisingly, I went so long without it. But I think everyone was kind of nervous and scared in the beginning because it made it sound like a Thanos snap, like half the people you knew were going to die. But then after a while, you heard people that got over it, and it was kind of like, okay, is this as bad as you know as they're saying it is? And it's not saying that it didn't kill people. I'm sure it did. It's just there was a lot of things where it was like, what happens if your own health? Like, what can we do preventative measures to make sure that didn't happen? And that's where we get the mask. That's where we get the whole uh, wiping down surfaces and then six-foot rule, which I, I've seen all melt away. Everything has melted away at this point. Well, you see, you'd go into the store, and they'd be sitting behind these plexiglass shields. The, the cash people at the counter and the plexiglass shield that's not going to do anything whatsoever to stop the virus that was almost that was almost silly and uh but as you were saying i mean like some people were very they took to this like it was a religion and 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 uh, the the rationality of the debate you you if, if you didn't take the vaccine they really came at you i mean i've i've you know lost some friends over this that they really uh and that's a common a common effect. I mean, millions of people have had that. You know, remember the stories of people not being allowed to go home for Thanksgiving, and you know, it was, it was a terrible love. So, my, to me, even though I, I, you might accept some of the difficulties they had with the vaccine and whether or not the vaccine worked, but the whole response to the virus, which was to dedicate the entirety of our healthcare system to stopping just one virus was a catastrophe. And as more information comes out about just how much of a catastrophe that was, it looks even worse in retrospect. And and the people in public health should have known this. And I think I get the idea they did. So so I so the shutdowns were ludicrous. And and they and they killed people, I think. I want to I want to ask about the shutdowns. Like what in your mind was bad about the shutdowns that it caused more damage than it did um than the actual virus did? Yeah, well, one obviously for the psychological effect on people, you know, we are social creatures. And so you just made it impossible for people to go out the way they would normally go out. And the other problem, too, was that uh, uh, you were, you were, the way you were segregating people, you just, it was horrible. But the other thing, too, was that all of these people up on the stage, you know, President Trump and all the people around him, they were very wealthy people. And during the pandemic, their wealth did not go down. But the people whose businesses they shut down, the gyms, the pizza parlors, the tailor, the grocer, the little people, they were annihilated. This was this was almost as, as clear a crush the lower middle class movement as we've ever seen in our lifetimes. I mean, people up there making the decisions suffered no consequence whatsoever from what they were making other people do who suffered egregiously bad consequences from that move i live in a beach town so summer's kind of like our whole money maker like all these businesses make all their money in summer and if i mean compared to what it was a couple of years ago there's nothing no businesses i really remember or can recognize they're all kind of newer we have over five different royal farms which is like an international gas station which is just a chain 
but there's five of them like really close by. And those used to be old businesses that were there, like family owned mom and pop shops, but nobody could keep up with the, I mean, you had to wait on an unemployment line. You had to do so much stuff to be able to get your business compensation as well. So, I mean, I knew friends who owned businesses that killed themselves, you know, it's horrible. But it was because there was no help being out there. And, and I know people always go, well, everyone was panicking at this point. I go, yes, but there was no safety measures that we had had in place from other pandemics or other things that we could have established that were done. There was nothing that was properly secured. And I get it. It's like you can't criticize in hindsight. I understand that. But it just seemed like there was a lack of caring. And it seemed like the people that really suffered were just the average citizens and completely, in my opinion, took out the middle class a little bit. It seems like there's not a really recognizable middle class anymore, but I might, that might be my own perspective. No, I, I think that, uh, I would agree. This, this, uh, this whole thing really hit and the other, uh, another angle to this too, is that the people who were inflaming the hysteria were the people in positions of authority. These are your, your, uh, your medical professionals, your healthcare professionals, the, the politicians. I mean, uh, and it still goes on. Uh, I, I got a kick out of the other day, Dr. Fauci saying, uh, I never shut anyone down. I never had, I had nothing to do with the lockdowns. I was just following the CDC. Well, the CDC has no statutory authority. They can't tell you to do anything. So what is the CDC? And that was another thing that bothered me in the early going about the vaccines is that these were emergency use authorized vaccines. And the way I read the US code, which may be incorrect because there's always a workaround for, for people who want to do it. But they cannot give you, they cannot force you to take an emergency use authorization vaccine without your having the opportunity to say no. And that was taken away from people. And uh, there are a couple of lawyers at Brownstone who explain how they, they got around this, that it doesn't pertain to individuals, it pertains to groups or something. So there's always something you can't see. But that was, you know, we should have been able, I mean, if the vaccine was so wonderful, why did they need the emergency use authorization? And that's another thing that needs to be talked about. The EUA authorization could only be given if therapeutics were taken off the market and the FDA and the CDC made it impossible to get hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And the FDA, when they testified, someone from the FDA testified in the last few months, and he said, we never told people they couldn't take ivermectin. We never outlawed it, but, they, but they're very cute. You know? And so what's interesting now is no one is admitting, no, not one person has really said, well, we made a horrible mistake. They just say, we didn't make a mistake. We did uh, what we would have done knowing what we knew then. But they should have known that shutting down a society to stop a virus, it has ne it, it's impossible. It was almost it was almost crazy. They don't talk about the fact that they changed the definition of vaccine or vaccinated either, which is a big one. And it's it, to me, I'm looking at this. I'm like, you know what? They're not wrong. They're not they're not doubling down or they're not doing this. It's just you're looking at it like they're just being assholes. Because it's legal speaks. That's all it is. It's literally like being in court. Like when I won a court case, I was like, did I win? I felt like I lost this. The way I'm reading this sounds like I'm the one in trouble, but that's kind of the whole legal language that they do. And it, I mean, it covers up a lot of things. If you try and pursue and get them on this or get them on that, you can't because they're like, well, technically we didn't do that. The people that forced the vaccines or the people that did that, that's your governors. And those are this, it's like, well, this started blaming the governors for the lockdowns. I'm like, well, you're the one that told them that they needed to lock down and do all these types of things. And the other thing too, is what was really surprising 
is there was no pushback. There was virtually very little resistance. And, and, and the way the authorities came down on the people who expressed skepticism or tried to demonstrate, we didn't have the problem in America that they had in New Zealand and Australia. But uh, it, it was pretty horrible there. Uh, and in Canada, what they Canada Canada went bonkers the way they went after people who didn't want to take the vaccine. I mean, and the, the sad part is that if you talk to the people who are pushing you to get the vaccine, it seems to me that they don't really know what they're talking about. When you try to engage them at any kind of level beyond the the most the broadest level, we need to do this to save our fellow man. You, how does it work? They have no idea how it works. They they still don't think that natural immunity is superior to anything that some vaccine is going to give to you. And they're completely wrong on that. Can I just throw this out there? And I just want to get your, get your take on this. I just thought of this, but it's kind of like when people like when I used to talk to my grandpa about the war, my grandpa would always say like, you know, we were killing the enemy. I was like, yeah, but those are people. And it's like, do you know fully exactly what you're doing? But he saw it as fighting for his country and saving the lives of his family back at home. And this kind of seemed like that, the way that they were kind of thinking of a lot of people that were like, you need to get your shot. You need to get your shot. It wasn't necessarily about hearing the logic or having the conversation. It was like this instilled moral of like, I'm saving people by doing what I'm doing. And we just see a video of a woman telling an older man to put his mask on and she has her mask down as she's saying it. And she's just like, it's, it's like something's wrong in the eyes. Like there's a mental check that needs to be there or some type of disorder or something, but she punched the guy right in the face and the police, the airport or air security, TSA and everything just takes him right, takes her right off the plane. And it's like, do you see that deranged look? I saw that so much and it. You mentioned it yourself, which is the religious like aspect of this thing. The way that people are talking about this, like it's a religion, like this is the only way type deal. We have never done that. And I, I don't know if it's a political thing is the only example I could make. It's like if you're a Republican or a Democrat, technically, you guys, if you're talking, you're not going to back down from your perspectives. You're going to hear what the other person's saying, but you're not really hearing it. You're tuning it out. And I've seen that so much when I talk to someone who's either a Republican or a Democrat. I like to believe deep state because it keeps me out of the mix of both of them. Um, but when I talk to someone about these types of things, there's I can tell it you're not actually hearing what I'm saying. You have your viewpoint and you're just going to keep spewing out your viewpoint, which is with the COVID subject. Now, at this point, it's better not to even have the discussion about vaccines in general because you don't know where someone stands. No, and you know, the other thing too is that you try not to see anything political in this, and I don't think it totally breaks down on the left-right axis, but uh, people who seem to be more liberally inclined were very pro-vaccine, and people who were more conservative, you would find more skeptical people in that group. I mean, I'm, I've not done a study, so I don't know, but it seems that everyone I know who is to the left is very, very much pro-vaccine, and people on the right are the only people I hear expressing doubts. And so it oddly, it, it, it kind of breaks along the same axis as the climate change debate. Um, people on the left are climate change uh, believers and people on the right tend to be skeptical. And it, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's in fact, even the war in Ukraine, people on the left seem to want deeper and deeper Western involvement in that war and people on the right, some, not the neocons, uh, or expressing skepticism about the wisdom of the whole thing. So it's really, it's, I agree with you. I don't, I don't fall, the left-right dichotomy of politics is dead. It is, it just doesn't exist. It's, it's not a, it's not a way of getting at a problem there. We're in the mythical creature land. There's no more uh, donkey and elephant. It's half donkey, half elephant, half elephant, half donkey. Yeah.
Yeah. It's well, cynically put, it, it's about power, getting your hands on it and holding on to it at all costs. And that pertains to Republicans as well as Democrats. Do you find it weird that the liberals and the like the conservatives are the ones that don't want mandates and all this type of stuff? You think that'd be more of a liberal thing that you would be like, they're forcing you to do something. You would want to go against that. Even like I've had some of the skeptic society people on here, like Michael Shermer and um one Lee McIntyre. I just I, I talked to him. I even with Lee McIntyre, I go, I had to put his episode off YouTube, much like this one will be because we use the word ivermectin, which you can't do on YouTube. But I just asked him about ivermectin. He was like, you think it's OK to take a horse paste? I was like, that's not what this is, though. This drug has it. I was like, and you debunk things. That's what you claim to do professionally. But the fact that if I ask you the question, if someone comes up to you and says, I cured my cancer with cheese, are you going to sit there and be like, you didn't cure it with the treatments that we have for it? And you don't shame the person. You go, that's great. It's a one in a million. And then you move on. But this is totally different. If someone wanted to take an alternative method, they got shamed for it. And I mentioned that to him. And he kind of just looked at me. And then he wanted to switch the subject to something else. I'm like, that's not what we do, though. We got to – there's that question. If it's a logical question, then you should be able to answer it if you're so agreeable that mandates are all this and all this. And they never answer that. And I was like, I don't know what to do. At this point, it's so – I guess so much confusion of back and forth. Nobody just wants to talk about it. Well, I, I, I think part of it is, too, is that people who are skeptical tend to lean libertarian. I mean, uh, Jeffrey Tucker, the fellow who founded Brownstone, I think he, he was at the Von Mises Institute, and he leans libertarian. He's not a libertarian, but he leans that way. And people who are more liberal, uh, they're, a lot of them want to tell you how to live your life. You know, how, how fast your the water can come out of your shower nozzle. They have no problem with the government telling you how to do that or what kind of light you can have in your house or what kind of car you can drive. So there's a there's inside of a lot of people who believe the government is the answer to everything is the notion that they have the right to tell you what to do for the public good. For the public good, they, they, uh, they think. So there's an argument to be made on that front. But others of us who are just skeptical, I'm skeptical about bigness, big power, skeptical about Washington having as much power. You know, the recent uh, EPA attempt to virtually uh, get rid of the internal combustion engine. I mean, and it, there's no law. There was no debate. It's in some kind of thousand page piece of legislation that no one's ever going to look at or read, which may or may not get passed. But the point is, I like to think that I make a choice about what kind of car I buy. The government doesn't tell me. And we're getting closer and closer to where everything has to be approved and accepted. It's a dangerous uh, way of doing business. It's a kind of or Orwellian way of doing things. I mean, even when it comes to the whole vaccinated, un, uh, unvaccinated, and the whole masked and unmasked, I mean, what is your uh, uh, experience on that? I mean, do you come across even... I mean, I, probably more in the beginning. I mean, but you were on a campus for a while. So I figured, I mean, were the students kind of in that whole category as well too were they fighting over as much as you see adults fighting over it uh the students they were mixed uh, they went along because they're you know they're they're really um because nice it's people. on tinder now if i go you know what tinder is right a dating oh, app yeah 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 yeah. they're they people put vaccinated or unvaccinated in there which to me is the weirdest thing in the world i'm like well i don't think anybody wants to see that but then there's a lot of people now that are like they let you express your political views and they let you do all this and Honestly, it's just become – it's fun for me because I'm just flipping through them all. I'm like, what is going on here? No, the students the students uh, did not like the Zoom classes by and large. And at, we're, at my school, uh, 
I was, I think I was the only teacher, maybe there was one other teacher in my entire department who came in to teach physical classes that were in the early going, they shut the school down, they went to Zoom, uh, but you could come on campus if you wanted. So nobody did, I did, he had to wear a mask. He had to wear a mask, I had to teach with a mask on and all of the students had to wear masks in the classroom, but we were there physically. Uh, but no one else would come in. So they were very, a lot of them were kind of the Zoom, you know, and I, uh, in terms of education, I don't know how well that worked, but uh, the students were, some of them were skeptical, but more, more, most of them kind of went along with it. I mean, you know, they're 18 to 21. I mean, they don't have a lot of experience. I mean, why, why would they think, why would they, it takes a while to get to be a little more skeptical, you know, and I think that's good. I mean, we don't want 16 year old skeptics out there. They're annoying. And, uh, but they were the students were uh, they just they were very nice to the whole of it. I have I have nothing but the applause for them. Uh, they were good and they they were understanding and they did the best they could under. And imagine how tough it was for them. They have to in the dormitories they got to wear they were supposed to wear masks. They had there were limits on how many people could get together at any one time in any context. So it was it was a terrible experience for them. But they they bore up very well under it. Could I ask what, what it was like being on the university before it closed? Like just what that, like when they tell you, hey, we're going to shut down for a while because of this thing. I want to get, I, I want to know what your experience was like. My, I worked at a casino when it happened. So we actually had to stay there as one of the, not like an essential worker or anything, but we just had to guard the money. And to me, that was just nuts in itself because I've only been working there a couple months. And next thing you know, there's an empty casino and you're just hearing slot machines making noises, which is like, are we in the zombie apocalypse right now? Like what is going on? I think what happened, if I recall correctly, the timeline, the virus shows up, people argue about when it actually showed up, but in the early going, then I think around March, everything shut down, everything shut down, so the semester was truncated, and I think they went to a, a brief Zoom model, I did that, I think I, you had to try to do something from home uh, on Zoom for my classes, and then the summer, the summer intervened and then the following fall everyone had to wear masks uh, or you could teach remotely so initially they shut things down it was shut down quickly I mean, that came as a surprise i thought they would tough it out because there were only a few weeks left in the semester maybe three or four weeks left in the semester it wasn't I, 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 I april i don't know when they shut down but the school college they closed shut the classes down maybe in may so they uh, but they did shut down. They, that happened very quickly, and I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen. Then all of a sudden it happened, and it happened everywhere. Everything came to a halt. Then the summer came, and then in the fall, you could teach if you wore a mask. But most people chose to teach remotely using Zoom. And that was when I was the only uh, one of two people in the department. And that campus was a ghost town except for the students because, uh, and I think two students had the choice themselves to take a class on Zoom because they knew that I was going to be there. When you signed up for registration, it let you know whether there was gonna be an in-person class or a Zoom class. So people who signed up for my class knew that I was gonna be there in person. And so they did that. Other people, they did Zoom classes and many people did a mix, Zoom and uh, the students, they could take a Zoom class or an in-person class. But uh, the campus was a ghost town, an absolute ghost town. Now, before you were let go from the university, I mean, were you aware that you hadn't gotten a booster shot and they were forcing it down? Okay. 
oh yeah, I knew. I thought, I thought, don't forget, I thought that they would, I was hoping they would come to their senses because by that time it was clear these vaccines didn't stop you from getting COVID, nor did they stop you from spreading it. Their argument for terminating me was that I jeopardized the health of the, the students and people at, at, at the school, which wasn't the case. Also, I had had COVID by that time. So the booster wasn't going to do anything for me whatsoever. Yeah, the president of Pfizer said the booster wasn't going to do anything for you. So it wasn't as if there was, uh, they just did it. They just, they got into that loop and they just, they just, I don't know whether they were looking to the CDC. They were all looking, all of the college administrators were looking around trying to see what everybody else was doing. You'll notice that very few colleges stood tall or stood alone. That was like lemmings. They all, it was, it was a, a, an egregious example of groupthink on all fronts. They all, they all believed the same thing and were looking at the same sources. And I think very few of them had a comprehensive grasp of what it was they were doing or what it was they thought they were doing. They knew nothing about vaccines. Is it possible maybe a little bit of that is also their looks of how they look like if a newspaper comes out and they have a professor that's teaching without a vaccine shot? Plus the group think thing, everyone's got to care about their reputations on that. And a lot of these these institutions really focus on building up their reputation. Harvard has a certain depiction and all these. So I, I figured, you know, if they had one professor, I mean, if all their professors were not getting vaccinated, they would just be like, we can't fire them all. But if you have one or two or three, then you go, well, this is going to be a scandal in the media and it's just easier to try and nudge you out the door. Oh, sure. But this is if, if anyone at any level did any thinking in these universities, if a single university, if a university like Harvard said, we're not going to do it, we're not going to mandate any vaccines. And if you don't wear a mask, don't wear a mask. We're open for business. This whole college shutdown thing would have been dead and it would have stopped, been stopped in its tracks. But not one school didn't. The other thing, too, is I really think I can't know for sure, but I've seen this reference that the government put pressure on colleges to to go for the vaccines to mandate mandate the vaccines and to to shut down when they were required to shut down and don't forget colleges get a lot of money from the federal government for research and everything and i, I learned about I, that I from the say, church committee i was surprised about the cia on college campuses i was like what are we talking about here oh yeah so the, so the government was pushing one but no one no one would say no this is this is the terrible we all we all went along like sheep actually to to what was going on and and people you know um, you know dr mccullough malone there were there it wasn't like there was no one out there saying this is close to insanity it's not going to work the 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 uh the uh, uh the benefit does not compensate for the damage that will be being done and no one did if you tried to even do a cost benefit analysis they kicked you out the door no one wanted to hear it it was like you were a sinner. It had a, it had a religious aspect to it almost. But everybody went along, and this could have been stopped if, if people didn't go along. And it could have been stopped early. All you needed was one big mun municipal union, say in Chicago or New York, to say, no, we're not coming to work if you make us get a vaccine. And shut down the city. And that would have been the end of it. They would have found a way to work around that. But everybody went along. In fact, all of the people in positions of power and authority in the unions push the vaccines and the mandates. Did you see any of the political divide or the kind of religious aspect of it to the different types of vaccines? Like if you got a Johnson & Johnson compared to if you got another different a Pfizer vaccine, I didn't see any of that, as long as you got a shot. I didn't see any of that at all. No, they, the vaccine, you know, the booster, 
uh, bivalent booster booster. There was no distinction made by anyone, you know. Uh, I did see a little bit of like the little slight, like you got a J and J, and then they would like you know look at you like that. But I never saw anybody like you only got a J and J. You got to get this one. And then when they tossed out that they're like interchangeable like wristbands, where you're like, oh, you can, you can just mix and match them. I'm like, wait a minute, hang on a second. But there's there's lots of lessons to be learned about what we did in handling this virus. And, it, and now it's it's behind us. It's behind us. And we need to take steps to make sure that this this never happens again. I mean, that's what we really need to worry about. We can't let this happen again. We cannot shut down. We are still suffering the effects of what we did to attack this this virus. I mean, the economy is still in quasi-ruins. The debt that we took on, you know, don't forget, I, I would have like in the early going, I would have said, if you're going to shut down the economy, then go ahead and take your lumps. But what they did is they shut the economy down and they printed trillions of dollars to give to people when they weren't working so that they wouldn't suffer the, they wouldn't suffer the effect of having the economy shut down. So people still had money, but it, it was made up money. It was monopoly money. It was just printed and now what's and it's it's it we have to pay the interest on that money. And the other thing about that money, it it went there was there was almost no control over who got those funds. People who deserved it, who didn't know how to work their way through the paper maze to get the money, didn't get it. And I know law firms in Boston who actually got money from the government. These are companies, these are places that pay their lawyers a million dollars a year. They got money. So a lot of people. Uh, got money they shouldn't have gotten money it was it was crazy times do you think like there was an incentive for them like just so the people could stay in lockdown a little bit longer so people didn't have to complain and start riots and things of this sort because some of the riots they accepted like there was a couple of protests that happened they were like yeah you can they didn't even make a statement about it but then you couldn't gather at a church and you couldn't do other things where i was like i didn't know the virus like chose what movements it wanted to infect and which ones it didn't. But I mean, incentivizing people with money was a big one towards a point where lockdowns kept like going and people were starting to get fed up, which is why they started to release some of the restrictions. But they incentivized people like, here's cash, here's a check, here's this, stay in there, you know, listen to us, this will be over soon. And don't forget too that the hospitals were incentivized. Uh, they were paid money for COVID diagnoses and for COVID. And now we're, we're finding out now that uh, you know, people who are put on ventilators and given remdesivir, the outcome was very grim. And if I remember early in the early going, um, uh, uh, President Trump and the others were going to get, uh, oh, we're going to have more ventilators, and ventilators, and ventilators. I mean, the last thing you want to do in the world is is be put on a ventilator. I mean, uh, uh, speaking for myself, I would have to be absolutely near death, totally near death, to even think about going on a ventilator because. The outcomes are very bad because what happens you can get you can get a biological infection in your lungs from being on a ventilator and a form of pneumonia and, and it's so it's a very bad idea they were doing that and uh, a lot of mistakes were made and but the thing is is that it almost seemed for the longest time that people didn't learn from them i mean it became clear after a while that the only people who were dying from this virus were people whose health had been compromised before people overweight, people who were diabetic, elder people in nursing homes who were, who were not healthy and had weakened immune system. So it was clear that your healthy population wasn't really being negatively affected by this virus. And yet the, the, the CDC 
don't forget that I believe I'm correct in this, the CDC withheld data on the vaccine efficacy on people from the ages of like 12 to 22, because it was pretty clear the vaccine did nothing for them. And they withheld it just to make sure that they had already gotten the vaccine before the data came out. So there was an awful lot of data manipulation. You know, they knew they where they wanted the data to get them. And I, my sense is that they were playing fast and loose. Uh, I mean, I, I think the data in the United States is not as good as the data in England or Sweden or Israel, where they had very good data, or at least they used a lot of integrity in assembling the data. Uh, here, you know, different states had different standards. Who knows what is in those numbers? You mentioned the elderly population being affected. I, I heard that floated around after a little while with the vaccines, and then it went away, I think, as soon as they started talking about uh, child shots and getting your kids vaccinated, because there was a thing of like, yeah, your kids can get COVID, and then people just went blind again. Like, There's very few sensitive subjects in our, our, our world that people just go blind and don't even think about, and it's kind of like how the beginning of the pandemic was where it was going to be a Thanos snap. But it's kids. Immediately, if someone's hurting kids, people just go blind with rage and you don't hear anything anymore. And when you have your media pushing like, hey, get your kids vaccinated, and everyone hears that and freaks out and not even looking at like, wait, who is it affecting though? And how good is a kid's immune system? Uh, usually they can eat mud and they'll be okay. They're good. Um, there's a case, I don't know, there's a legal case. I don't know what state it's in. It may be done by you, but a woman had her, her daughter, young kid, I don't know how old she was, uh, get a, a physical or get some vaccinations to go to school. And the, the doctor gave her daughter the, the COVID vaccine. And the mother had expressly said she didn't want a child to get it. And the doctor did it anyway. And she's being sued. She's being sued. It's going through the court now. But Wait, she's I mean, being sued I mean, or he's suing? The doctor is being sued. The doctor is being okay. sued. And, and uh, I thought you we'll meant the mom. I was goes. like, holy crap. Well, we'll see. But, but the idea is that you told the doctor, the doctor knew you didn't want, the doctor was operating at a higher level of morality. You didn't know what was best for your child. She did. We're looking at a big picture thing. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, I think it's in court now. I can't tell you. I wish I could remember the state. But it's an interesting case. You know, you, no medical professional should do anything that you don't consent to uh, regarding your child. I mean, it's, that's like a sacred bond. You know, it's your child. It's it's not anyone else's. Why do you think that high morality is? Is that just because people – I mean, I believe some of it was because doctors were incentivized to do certain things and certain forms of treatments. They got money on if they pushed certain things. But then I've had a doctor that was like, I'm not going to – Force you to get your shot or anything if you don't want it we're just going to gloss over the question and we'll go over but then i have another doctor i was like you had peter mccullough on your show i was like yeah and he goes man misinformation spreading man you can't be doing that it's so bad and i'm like where's your politics though like i gotta ask did the politics leak into the medical thing like this i have to ask my doctor this because you would think that it would be completely separate but i think as we all know now from what I've learned in the pandemic is how connected everything is. The media, institutions of health, the government, there's just these relationships that are solidified. And that's why I usually say deep states like capitalism in a whole new form. Well, look, there are, I mean, this is what's interesting about the candidacy of uh, RFK Jr. You know, I disagree with him on some issues, but when it comes to vaccine and healthcare, he's an interesting man, you know, and I think he has a lot of integrity, agree or disagree with his positions, he's uh, he's got some honesty. And I, yeah, I, they, this connection between all of these folks, it's, um, 
it's there. It's there. I don't. I don't believe that there's any conspiracy. You know, they're not all uh, checking with each other or you know working in some kind of secret bunker to make sure the world goes their way. I don't think that's true. You know, World Economic Forum and stuff. But the other thing is that they all went to the same schools. They associate with the same people, and by and large, they all think alike. So it's like people in Washington D.C. It's a a little bubble. They everyone there thinks the same way. I mean, they need to move out to Iowa and uh, you know Nebraska and see what people think because they just get the same old stuff down there. And COVID kind of broke along those lines. I, I, what, what, what the whole process of the uh, the vaccines and the virus demonstrates to me is the utter incompetence of people at the top. I mean, Dr. Burks, who was holding up the sign, stop the spread. She wrote a, an autobiography of 18 months later. And in the autobiography, she says, we all knew the vaccines weren't going to work. Well, that's interesting. So when were you lying? When you were holding up the sign or when you were writing your autobiography to make it look like you knew what was up as opposed to being a fool? Uh, um, uh, 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 Rochelle Walensky, I saw her in an interview uh, and someone was saying vaccine efficacy. And she says, oh, we didn't know about uh, diminishing efficacy. No one told us or no one said a word about diminishing efficacy. And, uh, you know, we should have been a little more cautious, I think she said, or that's what she was saying. And the point, I still don't know what they mean by 95% efficacy. I mean, I don't even know what that means in terms of the vaccines. And again, <laughs> efficacy that you'll get COVID. That's what it means. Well, there's some evidence. I mean, you know, there, you know I'm going to defer to medical professionals, microbiologists in the front, but there, there is some. Uh, there's a doctor in England. I think his name is Campbell. Have you seen any of his? Oh yeah, art? yeah. With Kevin Dowd, he writes some stuff down. Oh, he's he's really good. I mean, he was he was. What's interesting is to watch his art. He starts out very very pro vaccine, and then he moves along to the point where he says, "Oh my God, you know the data is not lining up with the vaccine everybody under the sun program." He was he was, it was uh, his honesty is very very appealing. Yeah, so. Do you think it's like the fallen sword mythos, which is that all these people that lied to the public, it was more of like a societal push on them, they felt like? I'm always hearing that, and I kind of look at it like, why did you say this on the TV? And then I show you what you said, and you're now telling me that you didn't say that ever. It's like you're denying the facts, and I go, it's not that you're 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 you just have like some type of brain thing and you can't remember it. This is that you're just refusing to even think about it or even talk about it. And like when you're presented the actual data, like um, best examples, Obama, when they talked about the origin and now the House Oversight Committee actually did an investigation and said it's potential that it came from the lab. Um, that, I think it was April 19th, that article came out of that court thing that they had, but they said that there's never been a bat at that lab. And then there's a picture from 2014 of Obama holding one. And it's like, what do you say to this? And they, people are like, well, it was a fake photo, doctored, all this type of stuff. And then they made so many excuses where I go, why are you doing this? This isn't because you're evil, but you you have this displayed vision of an end goal, and the end goal is I'm saving people by doing this. And when you get caught, you don't care about your reputation anymore. You care about you did it for a good cause, which is like this isn't what that is anymore. Well, that that will kind of cover it. But the other thing too is that the cultures changed dramatically uh, uh, in my lifetime, and one of the things that you know, it used to be that when you made a mistake, 
you owned up to it because we all make mistakes. We make terrible mistakes and we continue to make them. We can't stop doing it. And you see these people, as you say, they're they're on video doing this one thing and you, you confront them with it and they say, well, that's not me, that's fake, it's not. They refuse to admit that they made a mistake or they even did what they said. We had a, a, a politician in Boston up here who was caught stuffing money into her bra, $10,000. She was taking a bribe and they had her on video. They had her on video. She absolutely refused to admit it. That, but it was on the video. And so it's, it's like what we used to go on in the, in the old Soviet Union when all anyone did was lie. And the, the saying, I don't know whether it comes from Solzhenitsyn or whoever's like, uh, uh, they, we know they're lying. They know we know that they're lying and they know we know they know we're lying, all of this. And every, everyone just lies. You know, I didn't do that. And, and what it is, is they, the, I think the goal is to make you as a person in society accept something you know isn't true. And once they force you to accept something you know isn't true, they're tinkering with the way your mind works. It's really right out of 1984. Similar to kind of like Occam's razor. Like if you ask somebody about getting your shot or something like that, it's like, yeah, but if you still get COVID, then what's the point of getting the vaccine? And like, you should laugh at like that, just that in general, it just sounds like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But then people just go, your symptoms would be less. I'm like, where did they pull that sucker out? That one is like, to me, that's even more like some of the stuff that I get in conversations with people, it's like kind of running in, in a maze and you went down the wrong path. And then there's like a dead wall. It's like, I, the, even the way back is closed. I can't even, I don't know what, what we got. It's just we're in dead air at this point. Well, the, vac the vaccine was initially, the claim was it would stop you from getting the virus. Well, that wasn't true. And then they said it would stop you from spreading the virus. That isn't true. The next step was to say that, well, if you did get the vaccine and you still got the virus and you spread it to somebody, that person and you would not have as severe a time with the virus. And I don't know how you tell that because there are so many variables involved in each individual's uh, relationship with the virus. I mean, we're all different. We have different immune systems. So some somebody who seems to be perfectly healthy could be near death's door and some 500 pound guy could just have nothing happen to him with the virus. So there's no way of saying it's the vaccine that was the thing that altered your outcome. And then of course, if you go in the hospital, the vaccine will keep you from dying. Well, how do you know that? I don't know how you know. How, what, how do you know? How do you know you just weren't lucky and got the right nurse who gave you the right drug at the right time to get you through it? I mean, how do you know? Or don't, I don't. So they the vaccine, they made a lot of claims that, uh, you know, uh, that I, I don't think could be backed up. You mentioned you kind of like the optimism a little bit about it coming to an end. I mean, why do you think that? I mean, I don't see anybody that's going to be held responsible for this, even with the amount of court proceedings that I have seen of people being caught, you know, mid conversation. I think it was and I, I've never heard of this guy before, but Senator John Kennedy, I think it is the guy, um, older guy in there. I'm, I don't ever watch politics at all, but he mentioned something that just made a lot of sense, which was just like you didn't bother checking in with your 
experts before you decided to do this? And the guy just kind of didn't answer. And he goes, well, I guess that question's tossed out. And he just, he said it. And I'm like, that's what I, I mean, I like to see that finally, like, it's not just me watching the TV and be like, why is they, why are they not answering this question? Why are they moving on to the next one? But I'm not optimistic on this. Cause I think honestly, people have turned it on themselves now where we're not holding the people responsible anymore. We're more busy either still yelling at people for putting a mask on or making fun of people for having a mask on. There's no common ground anymore. At this point, we're very divided on these. I think, I, I think um, society is becoming increasingly atomized that, uh, you know, the common ground that we used to have is, is, is dwindling. And one what you just point out here, no one is ever responsible. No one is ever responsible. Uh, and that is a problem. Most of us think that, you know, if, the law works very well if when you do something wrong or you break a law, you get punished according to the statute. That's fine. But we see people in high places get off all the time and nothing happens. I mean, Dr. Fauci, I mean, he he was one of the leaders in whatever happened in the response to this pandemic. There's no question about it. So what is his punishment? He's going to retire at $400,000 a year. See, for most people, that isn't much of a punishment. They should yank his retirement if they shouldn't put him in jail. But, the, but the, so the, if they live, people in positions of power seem to live in a consequence-free reality. They can do anything and nothing ever happens to them. Every once in a while, someone gets thrown to the, well, Martha Stewart, you know, they, they put her in the clink, but that was just so she could meet Snoop Dogg. You know, I mean, it was just, it, it didn't really mean anything. And and she never should have gone to jail either. But well, uh, she's but, now recommending you get your jabs. That's a ad on Spotify now. She recommends it, but she's she's a little too old to be doing advertisements because she starts saying, it, and I'm like, oh, she stuttered a couple times there. I was like, it did not sound good for getting the vaccine at all. Oh, but but the, what's amazing now is that people are still people in positions of authority are still telling you hospitals to get a booster shot. Celebrities are just. Right. That's another thing. <laughs> that is another thing is this this constant you do see commercials about this uh, on television. Uh, this uh, these medications and it's not just the booster shots, it's all kinds of medication. And um, it's 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 dismaying that at this point, people are still thinking about getting this vaccine, although I think that's it's plummeting, though. I mean, it's this the market has I mean, people are getting are catching on that it really didn't do what they said it was going to do. And the other thing, too, about the whole of this, too, is we, we overreacted to what was, for most people, a very innocuous virus. I mean, if, if this were Ebola, I could understand the panic. And if it, if it were Ebola, I would gladly roll up my sleeve to get the vaccine. There's no question about that. It's, it's just that the, the response was so out of line with the danger. Uh, and and people uh, in positions of authority refuse to acknowledge that. I have yet to hear somebody say, "Well, we really did overreact to this, didn't we?" Hasn't happened. I don't think you're going to be able to get one of those higher authority figures to be able to accept the fact that they got some things wrong. Honestly, at this point, I think more people are going to look at that authority figure, whoever's in the WHO or NIH or CDC, and then blame the whole CDC as being a problem. And I'm sure there's a, a couple, there's probably more people that are, were involved and understood what was going on and kept pushing the narrative of things. But there's also people that, I mean, our medical trust, that's a big thing. 
there's not going to be any faith in medical institutions if you didn't agree with getting a shot or if you stopped getting a shot because now at this point and i don't know i mean who would you blame the most would you blame institutions like either the media the medical institutions the government i mean the media is the one that got the message out there and they really hammered down some things where you can't even talk about ivermectin without someone thinking horse pace which is the worst possible thing because the cdc is using it now this is uh yeah and the um the um, the medical professionals, I mean, they really, I mean, it, it, it was appalling what some of the doctors did. I mean, very, very early on, there were two doctors in California, this is very much in the early going, who said it was a very bad idea to sequester people and to get them out of the society because what it would do, it would have a very negative effect on their immune systems. Our immune systems need to constantly be challenged daily. You know, getting hit by viruses and swatting those viruses away. And when we when we uh, take people out of that world, their immune system gets weaker and weaker. And then when they go back out, they get uh, <clears throat> all sick again. They get sick again. And and these two doctors, I think they took their video down from YouTube. You know, they were misinformation specialists, etc. But it turns out they were right. They were completely right. What is what is it? The vex the virus that the kids get the RSV virus or I may be wrong on the acronym there, but some kind of cough. Of, 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 and kids are starting to get that because they usually have immunity when they're bouncing around kids who have been exposed to it. But when you take them away and they don't have that exposure, their immune system gets hit harder when they finally do get exposed. So we made a lot of mistakes. Uh, and putting people in New York City, making them stay inside their apartments, well, these apartments have what a thousand people living in them or more and you're making people stay in a hotbed of, and of course they all got sick because uh it was we the worst thing we did we, we made so many mistakes i mean uh, shutting things down and 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 trying to sequester the only people who should have been sequestered were the were the elderly who had immune systems and were ill that that we should have handled that a lot better and uh in the early going a good many of them died, but it, even now it's it's hard. It is so hard to get accurate data. I mean, most people think that in the early going, hospital ERs were overrun. Hospital ICUs, hospitals were just there were people hanging out the windows in hospitals. Apparently, that isn't true. That whole myth of hospitals being overrun it never really happened, uh, and that's come that's just coming out now. In, in various sources. I don't know. It yet. was exposed that the Rolling Stones printed a fake article where they had to print a retraction on it. Um, they they had used the photo, which is how they got caught, but they had used, they printed an article saying that there were more ivermectin patients than gunshot wound victims because people were taking ivermectin and it was causing mass hospitalizations. And then someone called out in the photo that at the time that this article had came out was during the summer. And what the photo had showed was people in winter jackets. They had used a previous photo from a while ago. And then the doctor that they cited as one of the sources for that information hadn't been at that facility for a couple of years. So it was they had a print retraction of that article, but it was like Interesting to me, I'm like, I mean, everyone saw videos of people hanging out their windows and, you know, for everything. And at this point, some of the videos that were getting mistaken for like COVID videos, like first responder stuff, there were people outside just banging pots and pans because they were happy for their first responders. And people go, no, they're saying it because they want people to get vaccinated. I'm like, hang on. And that's just social media taking whatever be bits and pieces and throwing it around. But 
at this point, if you're trying to get to the facts, you're not going to find them. I mean, we're trying – the government's trying to get down to – whoever's doing those oversight committees are trying to get down to the bottom of it. But it's like the Kennedy assassination. There's so much that you can't – as soon as you hit a shovel, you come across 50 different ways it could possibly be. Yeah, and most most of what goes on in Washington is really – it's a it's a circus. It's just theater. I mean it's all it's all pretend. I don't think they ever accomplish anything. But, you, you know – about say you mentioned before about the economy there's a what do you think about the digital currency you think that's their way to eliminate all the inflation or stuff they cause by printing so much money well one i put i put nothing past people who have the power to get done what they want to get done and the digital currency thing um i understand the technology i mean you know why do we need paper money when we can just wave a card i, I understand that i mean but the problem is that is that once you let people put uh, the money on the card, the issue is that they can take it out of the card. They can take it off the card. So once we go totally digital, we are giving someone else the power to freeze us. Suppose they don't like you and you can't, you can't buy this because they disapprove of your buying that. The problem isn't so much the technology per se, which I think may be perfectly good. The problem is that the people who control your access to that technology can do what they want. And we've seen this happen with YouTube and uh, LinkedIn and uh, PayPal. They just ban you. If you don't like it, you're banned. You can't use your card. So why would I want to get into a system where all my money is on this card and someone at the other end of that card can just push a button and I can't buy a banana? Uh, that is my concern is that I don't trust it. I don't, I absolutely don't trust that they, that they wouldn't do something like that. If they disapproved of my thinking and we're seeing that now with the COVID, you know, if you don't think the right way, you are banned. I mean, people have been anathematized. You've been, they've been pushed aside, you know? And uh, so that, that's my concern with the digital currency. I mean, uh, they, I wouldn't want to give them the power to shut me down and they could do that. And I think they would. I'm, I'm and with you. worse, they'd get away with it. I'm with you. I watched the transition of it being weird to just use. Like it started with self checkouts. Eventually, self checkouts were only card, no cash. I mean, I still see some with cash, but it's like Walmart went full card, no cash, and then they, then there's a coin shortage and a money shortage. So then they were just recommending like, hey, use your cards because we don't have change to do this. And I slowly watched this transition where now I don't know really anybody that keeps cash in there. I have some bills in my pocket or in my wallet, but they're like, I have a $2 bill, which I think is like awesome. And then it's like, I have a, a stuff that you don't ever see anymore, but then there's no regular cash and it's all in my card. And I do have a fear. Every time I check my ATM, I just check and I go, what happens if it's down to $0? And I know it's like a horrible thing to think about, but I just start going, I have no control over what goes in, what goes out. I mean, I can spend money, yes, but when it comes to looking at it and knowing the amount, like I know if I look in my pocket, $20, I have $20. If I check my bank account, I have to keep going to the ATM check. I can check it online. I got to go through like all these different devices and apps and just refresh it and check it there. When I know the only way you can get the $20 out of my pocket is if you rob me or if you take it from me and I get to witness that happen. But online, it's completely different. You go to sleep, you could wake up the next day and it's all gone. And I had talked to a guy on my show about autonomous vehicles, like it's cars that drive by themselves. And he goes, once we reach stage five, you'll never drive again. And I go, that sounds horrible. He goes, well, look, we don't need, people don't need to drive. They just think they need to drive. And I'm like, what, what are we talking about? And then he mentioned, he goes, the only time you would ever be able to use your autonomous vehicle is if you broke a law. And I'm like, what laws, man? There are some dumb laws. Connecting to someone else's Wi-Fi is a law. 
You break it if you when you do that. So I go, there's dumb laws. What that's why I said it's the picking and choosing. It's much like YouTube bans content. They pick and choose, but they never tell you exactly. And I go, that's the issue with digital currency. You're giving them the power to control your funds, the stuff you worked for. Oh, and I'm with you on the autonomous car thing. This would come up in class every once in a while in college, you know, because they used to, they, for a while there was a big push on driverless vehicles. Google was making one, Apple was going to make one. And I, it seemed to have gone away. I don't know what, what the, with the advent of uh, the, uh, the Elon Musk vehicle, it seems to have gone away. But, but I, would, I would say, well, who, what, you know, who gains? Who gains when, when the cars are controlled by somebody else and you just sit there and sleep when you're going from point A to point B? What, what is the, why is this a value? What is the point of this? Where is the good in this? And you know, when you start asking those questions, you know, where is the goodness? What's the point? I like driving. I enjoy it. So um, the idea that somebody in central command out in Colorado somewhere can push a button and my car won't go anymore. I'm concerned. I'm con you know, that once they, they can do that, they can actually once once everyone has one of those autonomous kinds of cars, they can stop you. Just like now, if you are drunk and you have to do the breathalyzer to get your car to go, uh, the car won't start. They can they can do that. They can do that with those autonomous cars. So I I do like with the digital currency. I just have questions about. So we're being asked to trust everybody on the other end of the line, and I don't think they deserve that trust. Well, they've demonstrated that they don't. Well, I mean, even things. What you talking about COVID in a different narrative than the official narrative? Could that be seen as domestic terrorism, and then they can just take away all your money or freeze all your funds? I mean, we watched as the media has look up Peter McCullough's name, look up uh, Robert Malone's name, misinformation specialist that does like they they just all the articles as soon as you pop up his name are listed as a completely targeting this person. And I go, that's when you start to go, is this real or not? Because when you see that much of that pushed up there, they said something that pissed off somebody. And then everyone did a whole plan to try and eliminate this character assassination. But you're like, wait, if he did this though, like if he really, you know, did all this misinformation stuff and you're saying he's a conspiracy theorist nut job, I was like, why was he working for you then? You guys hire those types of individuals? And then it's like, you know what I mean? Like, but it's that whole, like, there's that internet boundary now where like, even with the whole disinformation and board that was going to be created about misinformation on the internet, I go, no, there's not a single person in the world who's fit to run that at all. Well, uh, there was a, uh, my wife gets the Harvard magazine and in the Harvard magazine, uh, a while back, it could have been a year ago, they had a big article on disinformation. And it turns out that what Harvard thinks is disinformation is anything that disagrees with their position. That's that's disinformation or misinformation. And we don't need, look, that is our responsibility to figure out what's what's true or not. It isn't that it certainly isn't the job of the government or anyone else. And uh, we need to move away from that. And you know information is you know it's funny we we are in an avalanche of information on the internet and everywhere else. We're surrounded by information. But what is true and accurate is almost impossible to figure out. If you go online, if you looked up Dr. McCullough online, I would bet on Google the first five hits that came up would say misinformation spreader, treasonous, incompetent, liar. All of the bad stuff gets pushed up to the top. The algorithm pushes that stuff up to the top. That's not accidental. There's a uh... It's when I bring up the point about conversation is important to at least get everybody's perspective, whether you agree or disagree. 
but that's being completely tossed out. Like I think like they know that understanding that when people start talking together, it's kind of like Abe Lincoln when he mentioned that a house divided cannot stand. You know, we're not at all standing. It seems like whenever we do start to get real change happening, we tend to knock on the door but never fully go in. And then we end up getting reset back because something – they give us something, whether it's like lockdowns and us trying to get out of lockdowns. They're like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to end the lockdown thing because we see it's a problem. And I'm like, okay, but then we just forgot about all the pain that they were causing people through lockdowns. And then – well, some of us did. But there was, a, then there was nothing else. There's no moving forward after that. We could have went even higher. But like what is going on? Do an actual investigation. Tell us what the real science is, but we let it go, and it's that dangling of keys that gets us. Right, and and now they just declared the the, the COVID emergency is over. Just de- decided that. I don't think anybody cared. Really, <laughs> it's what I said. I don't think a whole lot of people cared. I heard nobody talking about it. It was like when we landed on Mars. People are like, "Oh, we are. We are." I thought we already did that. Really? Well, see, I think that's another thing that's going on now is that people are so tired. From these endless arguments and this going nowhere and that nothing ever changes. I think they're tuning everything out. And I understand that because I, I have an urge to tune it out too. I mean, it's just depressing. Uh, you know, life is too short to be, to be, you know, upset all the time by things you can't control. And, and as I think people are just moving away, getting on with their lives and paying as little attention to what's going on out there as they possibly can. And, uh, you know, in part because conversation goes nowhere. You have just people screaming past each other. And Okay. Why talk at all? I just got one last question for you. But after all your experience and everything, the perspective you have now, I mean, do you regret if you would have maybe did it differently? If you would have, you know, taken the booster like the college would have done for you? Because I think it being an independent thinkers, I mean, the road you take is really important. If I had to, Robbie, if I had to do it all over again, I never would have gotten that J&J shot. I never would have gotten that shot. I would have gone the other direction. Not only would I not have gotten the booster, I'm, I'm a little angry with myself and disappointed that I got that first J&J vaccine. I wish I didn't. You know, I don't, I don't think it saved my life or anything like that. And I, I think I, you know, uh, I wish I didn't. I, you know, if, if, if I were, you know, 25, if I were your age, and I had taken that shot. I'd be really mad at myself, you know. But uh, so yeah, that would be my change. I would, I would, I would have, I would have left my employment, and then I wouldn't. They wouldn't have had to terminate me because I would have agreed with their position. You have clearly stated up ahead, up front. I need this vaccine to continue to work there. I have refused to get the basic vaccine. We part ways. Understandable. Understand. I was a little angry with the booster business because it was added on. After I got the vaccine, there was nothing about booster in anyone's lexicon. It just came out of the way. In fact, when they first started talking about the boosters, no college no, no college in the country had a mandate to get the booster. And then in the space of about 10 days, every college in America mandated the booster. I don't know how that happened, but they, a herd instinct or whatever it's it was. It's a group email. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is, all of a sudden it changed just like that. And uh, so, yeah, my my change in view is I never would have gotten a shot at all. I wish I was like you. Did um you experience anything after that shot that you got? Just still no, on pain? No, no. As far as I can tell, I had no uh, negative effect from the vac- uh, vaccine whatsoever. None. And I had COVID, and it was it was really nothing. You know, I've I've had flus that were a lot, a lot more difficult than the, than the COVID virus. 
Did you have one bad day with the COVID? Yeah, I had a day where I was a little tired, but I mean, I was never knocked out by it. I mean, I felt really tired. You know, I was down for a day. I was just kind of really exhausted. But, uh, you know, I've a lot of other things have been a lot worse than that. So it wasn't that bad. I, from what I can tell, that seems to be the experience of the majority of people who do get it, that in a couple of days, you know, you're out of sorts. But, uh, uh, you know, it's it's not that bad. And that, and that again, this this is evidence that should have told people in positions of authority. Maybe, you know, we're overreacting a little. Maybe it isn't as bad as we thought it was, you know, and uh, they just, uh, they hunkered down, you know, so I mean, I think they're all ready to try to do this again, you know, that business with the who, they're trying to, the who is trying to get the authority to kind of control the international response to any kind of pandemic, and so far it hasn't gone through, but, uh, you know, yeah, you have to pay attention. Well, Mr. O'Hare, I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show. Is there a place for oh, people? Oh, thank to you. A place where people can find your links. I don't. I don't have. I'm, I'm at Brownstone. Is what you can. That's the best way to find me. No and, social uh, media. No, you know, I I was on Twitter and uh, I had to get on Facebook for teaching a, a course in England. And then I'm I'm so disenchanted with social media that um I've I've kind of like broken contact with them. I really I'm not on any any. It's a wonder I have a cell phone actually. Good for you. I mean, I only post probably once a day just for the show related stuff, but I try and stay, I, it gets so addicting and you end up scrolling mindlessly for hours. And at this point, it just, it creates more tension than anything. I always end up finding a trend. The next thing I know, I look out the, the door, it's been like 12 hours. I'm like, oh, great. And I just spent all my time on social media and I have no clue why. Great. Well, this, is, this has been fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you very much for asking me. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for next